Hey, are you ready to move your life? I mean, really move it? It's time to turn up the dial on your energy, your health, your sport performance, your happiness, and your relationships. If you want to live with more freedom, more adventure, more passion, more fun, and more success, if you're ready to get your brain in the game and achieve the most out of every area of your life, then it's time to move to live and live to move with your host, Jill Summers. Hello, you made it, you're here, you're in the right place if you are ready to dial up your life. This is Jill with Jill M. Summers Performance Coaching coming to you from Boulder, Colorado, here with Kim Taylor for the podcast series called Not in Kansas Anymore, Kim Taylor's Journey to Ironman, Arizona. Today is all about the post-race reflections Today, Kim is going to share with you her experience of the race weekend leading up to the race, all of the things that happened, all of the magic that was falling into place before she even got to the race. She's going to talk about the race itself, her experience, and then some of the after-race reflections. We got the opportunity to go up to Sedona, Arizona, and do some reset, some reset excuse me, some reset and some reflection and uh, just to get settled in after the, the big journey of even getting to the race weekend. So here we are, Kim, how are you doing today? You know what? I'm really good. I'm almost two weeks out now and I kind of feel normal. Like I'm, I've spent some time recovering and um, yeah, I feel good. So you had an unfortunate illness hit you post-race. <laughs> listeners, give us some insight on what happened, what that all was about. Oh, well, you know, I, I got home and uh, developed a cold, which I don't remember the last time I've been sick. It's been for, you know, I can't even remember the last time I was sick. Um, but I developed a pretty nasty little cold and sinus thing. And I'm still dealing with it a little bit, uh, but it's... 80% better now, but I was down, down for the count for a couple of days, uh, completely down, um, which is unusual for me and hard to deal with. <laughs> I don't sit on the couch very well. Yeah, that is hard, especially after you've come off of having been so active and used to working hard every day, and now you're forced to be sedentary. Huh. Maybe that was the universe working it's little magic. Hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it kind of forced the issue. I probably wouldn't have, have done that had it not been for the cold. I would have been looking for something to get up and do. <laughs> so in a way it was probably good because it forced some, some rest that I probably needed. I, I could have used a, a reminder in a more subtle, less bad feeling way, but you know, it is what it is. We have a lot to talk about today. We want to talk about the build-up to the race weekend and then the race itself. And so we thought it'd be a really good organization to just do this chronologically. So my first question, Kim, a lot of the listeners want to hear what was going on in your mind as you landed in Phoenix and you were getting all prepared to go into the weekend. Take, your, take yourself back to that time and, and walk us through some of the experiences and thoughts you were having? You know, really, 
it was just one of, of excitement <laughs> more than anything, really, I, you know, packing and getting ready was, was kind of frantic a little bit, but once I got on the plane and I was flying out and all of that was done, really, it was about just getting there. I was just excited. And, um, you know, I landed in Phoenix and I was excited and then I got in an Uber and it took an hour to go five miles to the hotel and I was irritated <laughs> because I just wanted to get there. Um, and on and you were texting me cause you had already gone down to the village and was, was down there in all of that. And I was sitting in an Uber in traffic and it was really like, I just wanted to be there. So it was excitement with a little bit of irritability, like that I frustration that I wasn't there yet. Um, but really it was just, I was excited. I mean, I didn't know what, what was going to expect, but you know, this is something that I've wanted to do for a long time. And the realization that it was actually happening this weekend was kind of a little bit surreal. So, um, you know, it's been building for more than just the year of training and certainly longer than the however many weeks we've been doing the podcast. It's been going on for years, the idea of doing it. Um, and so really it was just a, pinch me I'm really here doing an Ironman kind of feel so yeah how did you sleep that night that was Thursday night Thursday night I didn't sleep super well any night that I was there it was kind of hit and miss um but I mean I slept decent but uh, it was kind of hit and miss I'd wake up and then it would the excitement would kind of hit and I wouldn't be able to get back to sleep and so yeah it was I slept well when I first went to bed and I was tired and I kind of fell asleep, but then I'd wake up and it was all over. So Friday morning, you did your interview with Iron Man. Tell us what that experience was like. You know, uh, it was fun. I would say if you would ask me that two months ago to do an interview like that, it'd be very uncomfortable. Um, for a variety of reasons, one of which I would have said, well, nobody really wants to hear what I have to say, but you know, the other one would be just uncomfortable in the setting of being asked questions and thinking on your feet and really what is it you want to say kind of thing. But uh, the podcast over the last several weeks has made that a lot easier to navigate. And so it was pretty comfortable doing it and it was actually kind of fun. Mm -hmm. So, um, and emotional. I mean, I, I shed a tear or two, some of the questions they asked me, but, um, but it was all good. So. One of the things they, they told us uh, while we were in the interview was that they were featuring a number of athletes that day or over the weekend, <clears throat> excuse me, about six, I think they said other athletes that they were going to interview that day. And then they said, um, you know, we'll let you know if you're the chosen featured athlete who will be on the interview or excuse me, on the, the video tonight during the welcome reception and that they would email you and let you know if you were going to be that person. Well, they never did email. Right. And we were sitting at the welcome reception and Mike Riley uh, introduces himself and welcomes all the athletes and says something to the effect of, there are a lot of stories behind each and every athlete that comes to this race. Let's take a look at Kim Taylor's story. What yeah. was that moment like for you? It caught me off guard a little bit. 
I mean, first of all, going into the interview, I had no idea that that was even on the radar that they would even show a video that night. And then when they mentioned it and I hadn't gotten, I really wasn't expecting it. So when it showed up, it was a little bit of a shock to the system, I have to say, but you know, it felt good. I guess it just validates that my story, whatever I have to say is at least somewhat worthwhile that they thought it poignant to use it. And then watching it just kind of drove home the reality of how far I've come and you know, it was emotional. <laughs> yeah. The response you got from the other athletes that night blew me away. Yeah, I was taken aback too. It was I it was unreal. Yeah. It felt good. Like I I typically I spent a lot of time in my life avoiding the spotlight, like just sinking into a corner and trying not to be noticed. And here I am, the center of attention of all these people. And it was not nearly as uncomfortable as it would have been. It actually felt good to get that support and um, kind of humbling a little bit. But, yeah, it felt good. Yeah, what an amazing shift to allow yourself to take that in. And, and I just want to reflect back. One of the things you've shared with us very openly on the, these interviews is how much you have shifted over the years from this self-hatred to self-love. And when you are operating from this place of self-love, it is much easier to receive that kind of attention because this, this may sound sort of arrogant. It's not designed that way, but it's like, well, of course you love me. I love me too. Like, have you met me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we're all lovable. And how awesome is it that I now understand, recognize, and feel that kind of love for myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, and being, and just being visible, whether you're really, you know, taking away the whole love part of it, but being comfortable enough with yourself to be visible. Cause that was always my thing is I just wanted to like not be noticed, you know, just kind of blend in. And, and so to be okay with everyone looking at you and being the spotlight, it's, it's all, it's a, it's about self-love and it's also just being comfortable in your own skin and knowing your value. And I mean, it all goes together, but yeah. Yeah. After the welcome reception was completed, you had many athletes come up to you and tell you, you've got this. Thank you so much for your story. We really appreciate your willingness to be vulnerable and share this with all of us. It was really an inspiration. I've already asked what that was like for you, but hearing that you are an inspiration to other people, how does that make you reflect or what are the reflections you have now about your journey? Well, you know, when this first started a year ago, or even longer ago when I was thinking about it, it was entirely about myself. <laughs> it was entirely about something that I just wanted to do and prove to myself that I could do it. And, you know, then it kind of shifted into, okay, what kind of person can I grow into doing it? Like the challenge of it and the personal growth. And it became more about that kind of journey. And then as things evolved and the podcast started and people started jumping on, you know, comments here and, and there, and then, you know, everything that happened, Ironman weekend, it became 
something much bigger than myself. Um, and I've gotten so many comments, even since I've been home, about how you've motivated me to go back to the gym. I've started running again or whatever it is. It's, there's been a lot of comments like that. And so um, it makes the journey worthwhile from that standpoint of, of something outside of me. Um, and, you know, I think at this point, most people know that the race didn't end like I wanted. And, and my old self would have been, uh, this was a complete disaster. It was a total failure. It was a wasted year. It was just, you know, and I would have been upset. But, but that kind of adds to the value of the journey in terms of it was completely worthwhile. Because, you know, even though I didn't finish it, you know, inspired others to go do something as well. So it just adds to that value of the journey in addition to my own growth. Yeah. And this is something that we've touched on before, but you cannot help but light other people up when you're doing the thing that lights you up. And that doesn't necessarily happen because your focus is on lighting other people up. Your focus was on lighting yourself up, mm -hmm. but, but there's no way that that can be contained. And so that light that you're shining from you because you're so lit up shines on everybody else and and all of a sudden you're getting this feedback like oh my gosh you've so inspired me and you're like i have like that wasn't my intention like what a cool byproduct yeah, yeah. it starts out as a byproduct and then you realize the effect that it has and then then it's like okay well not that i go out with the intent of i'm gonna inspire that's why i'm doing this but more of the I'm happy and willing to share my story because it will inspire people. Not necessarily that's why I'm doing it, but um, had I not shared anything about this Ironman with anybody, it certainly wouldn't have been inspiring to anybody. My guess, and I've kind of heard you say this, but my guess is that then that energy from people being inspired has come full circle back to you and energized yeah, you. Inspiring to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, knowing that so many people were watching me and knowing on race day that so many people were following me on the tracker, <laughs> it kept me moving a little more maybe than I might have, you know, just my own doing. I don't know. But it certainly kept me going a little bit, knowing that I had so much support. I, uh, I have to do a quick shout out to my sister who lives in Madison, Wisconsin this week. She was talking to me about um, getting herself out and walking more. And of course, you know, it's dark by 530 now, right? And so, and she works. And so to get out after work is challenging because it's already dark and it's cold. And, and this is what she said. She goes, if Kim can do it on your man, I can get myself outside and walk in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> so the inspiration that's, that's being, you know, felt by everyone, like you just said, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing an Ironman, but it might get them back to the gym or get them on a bike or Go for that job promotion, right? Yeah, you know, I since just since I've been home, even just people in my own little world um, have, you know, oh, I'm going to start running again, or I I went back to the gym. I've gotten a lot of comments like that in the last week, and interestingly, um, you know, we've talked about I had a big crowd of people in Arizona, and one of my friends who was in Arizona, who's not into triathlon whatsoever. Um, I mean, he's fairly fit, but he doesn't do much sports stuff anymore. He hunts, but that's about it. Now is inspired. He wants to do an Ironman himself. So <laughs> it goes from everything from just going back to the gym and running again to signing yeah. up for an Ironman. <laughs> you haven't even ever had a bike. <laughs> so yeah, that's really cool. 
Yeah. That's really cool. So Friday, after we did the welcome reception and you had a lot of um, athletes coming up to you afterward, I was really feeling moved as I was observing this support. It was, it was pretty magical, honestly. And then that evening, I went to the Kona After Party. The Kona After Party is designed to do two things. Um, celebrate the uh, world championships that just happened in Kona in October. And they did a wonderful job of bringing in some of the athletes as well as some of the top names in triathlon. Um, Paula Nabi Frazier was there. Mark Allen was there. Uh, Rudy was there and, and Broderick was there. And um, it just was a really, really exciting night to, to be with these top-notch triathletes. Uh, Mike Riley was emceeing. Um, Bob Babbitt was there um, as well, among others. But one of the other pieces that, that they did at that event was talk about the Ironman Foundation and how the Ironman Foundation gives back to the local communities. The other piece that was really the common thread that ran through the entire evening was something called the Ironman Ohana. And Ohana stands for family in Hawaii, in Hawaiian language. And I have to tell you, my experience of the entire weekend was very different than any Ironman experience I've had before. And it was all about that family feel. It was all about that support that you were receiving from the other athletes on the course, off the course, before the race, after the race. And how much Ironman itself was behind you and how much they were supporting your journey. It was really a magical experience for me being uh, sort of as the observer on the outside. And I came away from the entire weekend really feeling the family vibe. Yeah, I felt that too. And I think for a long time, I kind of felt like that Ironman was this exclusive exclusive finishers club. And really it is to a certain extent, but there's a lot more that goes into it. And, you know, even though I didn't finish, there's still a feeling like you're part of us, even though you're not a finisher. That's like graduation, like at the next level, but there was certainly a feeling of belonging, you know, despite that. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because I wasn't expecting that either. Like that was a really unexpected, I'm going to say magical a lot because I really did feel like there was a lot of magic happening over the weekend. Yeah, I would describe the weekend in, as magical myself. I've used that term myself. Yeah. So, so Saturday came. Yeah. And this was your day to go out and do a little workout in all of the areas, swim, bike, and run. Um, you got to get into the cold water for the first time. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, you know, it, it, uh, it was a little rough. I mean, I got in the water. It wasn't as cold as I was expecting, which was good, but I had some moments of panic when I got in the water, like, oh my gosh, I think the reality of what have I gotten myself into kind of hit, like when I got in the water and realized that, you know, this is tomorrow and I'm going to have to be in here a long time and this is cold. And, uh, it took me a little while to settle down. 
but once I did, it went okay. And it really kind of calmed, eased my mind about the swim the next day, about the cold water and what I was going to get into. And, uh, cause that had been my biggest concern going in and that ended up being kind of a non-factor, which was good. So, you know, initially it was panic. Oh my God, this is real to, okay. It eased my mind just a little bit. Yeah. And you were really well prepared for the colds. You know, you had your, your, um, neoprene, and you had your booties and I definitely think it helped I mean I I'm glad that I had those I think without them I would have been cold I mean my hands were cold it was definitely chilly yeah water temperature that day ended up being 63 which is a little warmer than it had been the year before it was 59 so we lucked out that it was a little warmer but it was still cold and you know I was in there for an hour 45 minutes so right the longer you're in there the more it impacts you I don't know if you know this, but there was a guy in there without a wetsuit. I didn't see that. I saw one or two people with sleeveless and I wondered what the heck, but I didn't see that one. Wow. Yes. Completely wetsuit free. Was he blue when he got out of the water? (laughs) I didn't see him get out, but he may have been. (laughs) He had a fish in his teeth. (laughs) Amongst other things. It was kind of gross water. That really is what got me. Yeah it was not very clean water yeah and and they had gotten a lot of rain the the week leading into it so there was a lot of stuff floating around in that water yeah (laughs) if he didn't come out blue because of the cold he may have come out blue because of the water (laughs) (laughs) kind of glowing yeah Yeah, so get into saturday saturday afternoon i think it was maybe it was friday you got your Mike Riley book signed. You got to meet yeah, Mike Riley Friday. for the first time. Yeah, we kind of skipped over Friday. Friday, uh, we went down, and that's when I registered. And that's when it really gets real. I think we even posted on the Facebook page, you know, that I've got my bracelet. You know, mm-hmm. when you go register and you get your little Iron Man bracelet that you leave on all weekend. And um, that's when it, like, really becomes real. So we did that. And then Mike Riley was signing books in the in the shop tent. So... I did get an autographed copy of, of his book and, you know, got to actually, we met him before that cause they were staying at the same hotel and saw him in the elevator like the night before. I think we ran into him multiple times, but um, you know, got my book signed and, and he signed it something about, I'll see you at the finish line. You will be an Iron Man. Well, he's prophetic. He just didn't mean this year. So, yeah, right. Um, but so now I have that book to set on my shelf, like to look at for an entire year. Yeah. Know? Awesome. Um, but so yeah, did that, and then uh, I think that was really all Friday. Just yeah, kind of, you know, went yeah. back, got off my feet. And, so Saturday night, Kim had put together a dinner for all of the people who went down to support her, and to her surprise, we had organized to have Mike Riley come and join her because I don't know if you all remember, but in a previous podcast, one of the questions was who would you love to have at your pre Iron Man dinner? And she'd said the Dalai Lama and uh, Mike Riley. And so we had made arrangements for Mike to come. And unfortunately he, in the last minute, wasn't able to make it. And you know, the, the man is pulled in lots of different directions over that weekend. So he wasn't able to make it, but we felt so fortunate to have had so many interactions with him in the previous yeah. two days. So I think that ended up being okay. Yeah, it all worked out. It was it was really cool. I mean, it would have been a great moment, no doubt about it, because 
they also, um, Jill didn't mention, but they had also gotten some masks of the Dalai Lama. So even <laughs> in person, it would have been a nice trio. And I got a, I got a good chuckle out of that. <laughs> but, but no, that would have been great. But it, it was just, it's just an honor to even think that he would consider it. You know, right. so, yes. Really yeah. nice. Yeah. So the, the other thing that we didn't mention is after they show on Friday night at the welcome reception, they showed Kim's highlight um, video. He had Kim come up to the stage. She didn't actually get on top of the stage, but stood right in front of it. And he asked all of the people in the audience to yell out to Kim, Kim Taylor, you will be an Iron Man. What was that like? You know, it was, uh, it was, a good feeling in a way, in a way it was a little intimidating and scary because I have all these people telling me I'm going to be an Ironman and in the back of my head, knowing the next day, the chances of me actually finishing weren't, you know, I mean, I was going in with, with hope and expectations that I would finish, but I knew like that I was kind of fighting an uphill battle. Like I was going to have to have a really, really good day. And so that, oh my gosh, now everybody's following me and they're telling me I'm going to be an Ironman and I'm not, what if I don't finish? And, um, you know, that's a sign of my growth because that was a, only a small part of my reaction as opposed to the overwhelming dominant part of my reaction. Uh, you know, two years ago, it would have been, well, I'm probably not going to finish. So, you know, this is just, it would make me mad and it would feel, make me feel uncomfortable. And, I wouldn't want that attention because now people are watching. I'm not going to finish and that's embarrassing. So, um, so there was a little of that, but it was minimal, like kind of an undercurrent, but really it felt good. And one of the things you just said a couple minutes ago was Mike Riley is prophetic. He said, I'm going to be an Ironman in my, when he signed my book, it just might not be on the timeline for that weekend. Right. He didn't he, say Sunday. I love that. I think maybe, well, I don't know. I'll have to go back and look exactly what he wrote, but I'm taking it as. Yeah. Day. yeah. And, and even that night when everyone was saying it to you, I love the way you were just able to switch that mentally and be like, yeah, I am going to be an Iron Man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. The dreams are over. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I don't know if you even knew that this happened because you were facing the audience. Mike was standing on the stage behind you and he bent down and kissed your head. Did you know that that happened in the moment? No, I didn't know that happened. No. No. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't. And you didn't get a picture? No, it's on the video. So it is on watch the video, the video okay. all the way to the end. Okay. All yeah. right. I don't think I've watched that all the way through. I'll have to go okay. watch Okay. Yeah, you need to watch that all the way through. So he didn't make it to the dinner, but you did get a, a head kiss. Okay. Well, I'll have to watch that. Maybe I can freeze frame it and take a snapshot from that. <laughs> I'll print that out. Great idea. Put it with my book. <laughs> okay. So Saturday night, did you get any sleep? You know, I got some. I got more than I thought I would. Um, it took me a little while to fall asleep, but when my alarm went off at four, I, it woke me up. So I did get some sleep. That's fantastic. I think it's it not was uncommon to not get any sleep that night. Yeah, And you know, before my half in June, I didn't sleep. Mm -hmm. So, but I was way more relaxed and calm going into this race than I was in June. Mm -hmm. 
not because I had any less fear or doubt that I wouldn't finish because I was concerned about that in Maryland too, but more just, I was more comfortable and okay with whatever the outcome was going to be than I was in June. So I really was pretty relaxed in terms of it is what it is. Like I'm going to go out and race and see what happens and not, you know, we talked about several months ago, I was really uptight about what if I don't, you know, am I going to finish what, you know, and just over the last month that kind of just shifted and I really was uh, a lot more relaxed than I thought I would be, you know, when I started. So, and I wasn't panicked all day long about, I mean, I was attentive to it, but I wasn't freaking out like, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm slower than I need to be. And um, I didn't let that affect me. So, well, yeah. And you know, that's a, that's a really difficult mental shift to make. So I just want to congratulate you on that. That's, that's a tough one to do and you did it. And now that you've done it there, you know, you can do it anywhere. Yeah. For anything, any outcome that you're going for. I was just thinking about, you know, we were talking about what's my theme from the weekend, really. And I see it as a graduation. <laughs> like you've been doing all this growth work and personal stuff and shifts and you're saying all the right things and you're, you're, you're doing, you know, this stuff. And I think the week, the Ironman weekend and the race and everything, the way it went was like the final test mm. to like, have you really changed? Let's see, prove it because here's, here's a challenge. Right in terms of displaying all those qualities that I've tried to build up. Yeah. So, and that's part of it, that shift, uh, just letting go of the outcome. So Sunday comes, it's race day. Your alarm goes off at what time? I think it was at four. I can't even remember now. I was trying to do my race report. I'm like, what time did I set my alarm for? I don't even remember. I think it was four, four or four, maybe 4.30. Cause we were, I was planning on leaving at 5.30. Yeah. I have been 4.30. I can't remember. The only thing I can remember about getting up race morning was, and I'm going to say this, so if, if you are offended by the F word again, tune out for just a second. But <laughs> I, I, woke, I was trying to wake up. I'm trying to contemplate what I'm, you know, getting some food down. And I hear, it's race day, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what time that was, but it was around 4.30. <laughs> I'm not going to say who said that. I don't even know who it was. Who would have said that? I don't know. It wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't awake enough yet to say that. <laughs> but it made me smile. It kind of broke the tension a little bit. Yeah, a little levity in the day. Yeah. So, yeah, it was an early morning. So you got ready for the race. You got all your stuff down. Got your transition area completed. You're at the swim start, getting all your stuff on. And what was going through your mind at that time? Well, you know, really, I didn't have a lot of time for a lot of things to go through my mind because I, I took a little extra time in transition than I was wanting when we were planning back, like what time I was going to get down there. And then the Ironman crew was there at my transition spot, my bike rack spot, and wanted to interview me. So that took some time. So I got out and then I had to go to the bathroom and we actually went back to the hotel to, to do that because the lines... Um, at the porta potties were so long, it was actually quicker. So when we got down to the swim start, it was kind of like, okay, I've got to find where I am in line and get right into it and go. There wasn't a lot of standing around at the swim start, like thinking or letting the nerves kind of build. Yeah. It was kind of, it just happened really quick. 
in retrospect, what, did you, what do you think of that approach? Uh, I cut it a little too close. I was stressing out just a little bit about the timing of it. Um, but I think not having a lot of time standing there, you know, just thinking probably was good. And I never really had any big panic moments until I will say the moment that I got in the corral and I don't remember if the gun to start the race had gone off or not, but you and Mandy who were with me at the swim start, like took off to go down, you know, and there I am just now I'm finally by myself and the race is starting. There was a couple of minutes of, Oh my God, like, yeah. Um, but it didn't last very long and I didn't honestly have much time to really go there because I started pretty quickly. Yeah. So, um, it, you know, in retrospect, not having a lot of time to sit there and stew about it was probably good. So you got in the water and what was the rest of your swim like? Uh, well, I mean, I was dealing with a few things, uh, getting, getting past and getting, there was a lot of contact. There were a lot of bodies in a small space and, um, you know, getting hit and, getting hands on my feet, pulling my, my legs underwater and, um, you know, dealing with that and then swallowing a little bit of air and water and inhaling some, some water and having to stop and, you know, choke basically and catch my breath. And I had some cramping issues and I was sick to my stomach a little bit. So I had a lot of issues going on in the swim, kind of made it a little bit challenging, but all in all, I was happy with how it went considering that the biggest thing was with everything going on, it was hard to get into a rhythm and just all the mantras and focus on form and being smooth and consistent that I worked on all through training. I couldn't really get into that much because every time I would kind of get into it, something would happen. Like I would get bumped. I would have to stop because I just inhaled water, you know, whatever. Um, so I had moments where I could kind of fall into that, you know, and relax and just get into a rhythm, but it was, very broken and choppy. Uh, and then I, you know, I had some cramping and really, I think the biggest thing that surprised me about the swim is I got out of the water and I was pretty disoriented actually. Like I wasn't sure what was going on. <laughs> like, I don't know what happened. I wasn't, it was completely out of left field. I wasn't expecting that. Um, I got out of the water, I had some cramps and then I, Mandy, my friend, she told me later, she's like, I've never seen as blank of a stare on your face as I saw when you got out of the water. I'm like, she says, ever. I've never seen that look on your face. I'm like, I, I don't know what happened. Like, I <laughs> still don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, that's not all that uncommon as you're getting used to doing longer times in the water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To just feel sort of disoriented and then into being that buoyancy and then having to go into being weight bearing is, is yeah. an interesting experience. I mean, and I scuba dive and, and I've, you know, I've go down and dive and I, I've, I'm used to that feeling when you kind of been underwater for a while and then you get back on land, especially carrying heavy gear, but I'd never experienced anything like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, it took me a while. I got to the change tent, which it also was 0.4 miles from getting out of the swim to getting to the transition area, which long is long transition. And, um, you know, so I was kind of doing that like just kind of blank. Like I wasn't even really thinking I got to the, I got to the transition and the change tent and I was thinking to my head, I'm like, this is where it ends. Like, I don't even know, like if I can even get on the bike, you know, I was like, well, I wasn't planning on stopping after the swim, but I'm not sure. <laughs>
Um, and the, it was good that there was a long transition. The person that came over to help me, we dumped out my stuff and, and, you know, what can I do to help you? And I literally, I looked at him like, I don't know. Like, I, I was so out of it. Um, so my transition time was kind of slow. And then when I got on the bike after that, I was, it took me a little while to kind of really get going, you know, um, from that. So that was probably the biggest uh, surprise or challenge or difficulty I had the entire day was from the water to the bike for some reason. And that was not in my radar before the race. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. And, but you had the swim that we expected you to have. You, had, you did a 146. So we said a, we estimated a 145. Yeah. So that was, that was great. Okay. So you got through transition. You're out on the bike now. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the bike. Um, the bike was, was kind of fun for the most part. Once I finally kind of got going, it took several miles into the bike to really get oriented and back on planet earth again, really. Um, and the, the bike course was a loop, three loops, and it was like 18 and a half miles out and 18 and a half miles back. So it was really nice because it broke it up into segments. And so it didn't feel quite as long as a long out and back in I knew going in, it would be a challenge going out uh, because there was kind of some uphill and there's typically some headwind on that side, but coming back would be you know, the reverse of that downhill with a tailwind. And so the plan was to go out and know I'm going to be slow, but be patient and then make it up coming back. And so the first, the first loop I was able to do that. I felt pretty good about where I was at coming back in to start the second loop in terms of making up that time. Each progressive loop got a little more challenging with the wind um, going out and the second loop uh, is when I saw my crowd like there was a big group of people at at, at a stop along the bike course on the uh, on the out loop um, so that helped a little bit because I saw them right before I hit the last five or six miles of the challenging uphill on the loop out um, but coming back I stopped at special needs I went to the bathroom I you know, talked with you guys a little bit and my average went down like half a mile an hour just in that time I was on the side of the road and I never quite made that up. Like I couldn't make it up going back in for some reason. And then the third loop out was even slower uh, because the wind was a little more challenging. I was a little more tired. Um, and then when I'd made the turn and could really take advantage of the downhill, cause I knew making that last turn, I had 18 and a half miles to make up some time and I went to push it. And then I started my hamstring, like just cramped up out of nowhere. And, um, I had to pedal really slow and every downstroke, you know, every down pedal, I would kind of stretch out my hamstring and try to, I was trying to keep it so I didn't have to get off the bike entirely and stretch, but I was going really slow. And um, so the part of the bike course where I could really take advantage of my strength, I was nursing a cramp. And um, so the bike was fun. The course was great. I, I saw my, my peeps at each turn, which was nice. And, you know, I had a safe ride. I didn't have any issues there. My nutrition was fine. I didn't have any issues there. Um, so really, I mean, I'm a little disappointed in my pace on the bike, but outside of that, uh, you know, it went really well. Okay. And going in, I was nervous about some logistics. I was nervous about U-turns. I was nervous about changing, you know, getting refills at aid stations without stopping and navigating traffic and all of that uh, because I don't have a lot of race experience and I did all that really well. So, um, for the most part, I was pretty happy with it. Right. 
you come in off the bike, you go into T2, the second transition, and it's time to get ready for your run. What's going through your head at this point? Well, uh, when I came into transition into T2, I had a little more cramping issue when I was trying to, you know, I lifted, pulled my leg up to put my sock on. It started cramping again. And uh, so I was kind of dealing with thoughts of, oh my gosh, I have 26 miles. I'm not sure how I'm going to do this kind of thought. I was, you know, fatigued, but I was also disappointed. I didn't know exactly what my time was up to that point. Um, I didn't have a grasp because I didn't, I wasn't tracking. I didn't have my, you know, Garmin or anything. So I didn't really know, like, I knew what my swim time was because I asked me out of the water, but I didn't know what my transition time was. I knew my bike average was less than my goal but I didn't know what my transition time was. I didn't know what my actual time was. I didn't know what my T2 time was. So when I came out to the run, I wasn't exactly sure what I had left in terms of the time I had to finish, but I knew in my head that it wasn't enough, like from my disappointing, and I say disappointing just in terms of pace, my bike time didn't leave me the time that I thought that I needed to really get through the marathon and finish in time. So there was some disappointment. I was really, I got off the bike and I was disappointed. Um, and it took, it took some mental shift to get into, just go out and do your best anyway. Um, and so when I was coming out of transition, that's what I was working on was that mental shift. So, yeah. It is humongous because if you had not worked on that ability to shift the thoughts in the preceding months. Do you think you would have been able to do it the day of? No, no. And what would that have looked like? What would that, what would that result have been? Well, you know, if you go back to someone three years ago, the result would have been, I wouldn't even have started the run. You wouldn't have started the run. Said, you know what, I don't have time to finish. There's no point because the goal here is to finish and anything less than that is failure. And so why go out and punish your body for another five hours or however long you're going to be out there for no point. Um, six months ago, I probably would have done it, but my effort level might not have reflected what it could have been. Um, so I think the combination of, doing it for the sake of doing it and giving it my best probably was something that took some, the mental work over the last six months to get to. But the other thing really is the whole enjoying the process, enjoying the moment was also a big part of that. So, and I'd had so much fun up to that point. Um, and I just wanted to experience it. So um, that was part of it too. It, it was, I really was surprised how the entire race day ended up being about just, I was completely in the moment enjoying it. And I had very few thoughts thinking ahead to, Oh my God, am I going to finish? What if I don't finish? I had very few of those thoughts. I had a moment when I came out off the bike, knowing that I probably wouldn't because I didn't have, I didn't leave myself enough time. I had some fleeting disappointment, but I kind of moved through it. I want to talk about this for just a moment because Clearly, this ability to shift your mental focus 
didn't just happen on race day. It was a precursor of effort and work over the years prior to this. So the reason I, I'm, I'm feeling compelled to talk about this more is because often, and you've said this before about yourself, people will say, okay, okay, I'm going to work on being more in the moment. And then they're not. And then they go, see, I can't do it. But what were your three success tips a couple of podcasts, a couple of interviews ago was the three P's, patience, practice, practice, patience, and perseverance. Yes. Yes. And so it's really through those three steps that you're going to be able to clearly make transformational changes in the way that you're thinking. We've talked before too about uh, the research studies that of Bruce Lipton and um, Joe Dispenza talking about it's only the repetition, repetition, repetition that's going to change the firing in the brain. And your repetition, putting that all into place prior to race day is what allowed you, gave you the opportunity to really put it into practice when, when it mattered. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, it feels kind of like I passed a final test. Like, yeah. you know, um, you've been studying all this time and you've been saying the right things, but how are you going to react when it comes time for the final test? And, you know, I feel like I passed it pretty well. So that's a good feeling. If we've said this once, we've said it a million times, words don't teach, life experience teaches. So you yeah. got the opportunity to really put this into play and get it, get it in your body, get it in your brain, get it from your experience. Pretty yeah. And, and this is one of the things I love about Ironman. We've talked about this before, but it's about who you become in the journey. It's not, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Ironman, you're so stupid. You're so crazy. But, you know, it's this amazing platform to become this person you've always known was in there. And I say you, but I mean everybody that you've always known was in there, but it was only under that kind of challenge that you're able to really access those parts of you. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it definitely kind of brought all of it together. Like all the bits and pieces and things that I've been working on, it really kind of brought it all together into one finished product, I guess, over the weekend. And it really is a pretty good internal feeling um, to go through something like that and come out and be really happy with not only your effort, but with everything that went on and, you know, um, it was just an incredible experience. Talk us through the run because now you know that you're not going to finish on time. You go out on the run anyway. Talk us through that experience. Well, the first couple of miles were a little rough, just kind of getting back and, you know, off the bike and getting my legs underneath me and, um, dealing with the cramping issues that I'd had. And uh, the first, I don't remember exactly where it was at, mile and a half, maybe between mile zero and two, somewhere in there, there was some uphill too, which um, slowed me down a little bit. And so I think the first mile, mile and a half, two miles, between a combination of working through that disappointment and shifting and getting into it and getting my legs going after being on the bike so long, and having a little bit of a challenge on the course with uphill, which isn't my strength. Um, the first couple of miles were fairly slow and clumsy. Um, and so then it even became more 
more prophetic, basically, that, okay, now you're really not going to make it because you needed to average 15 and a half minute miles the whole way, and you just took 18 to do the first mile. There's no way. Um, but uh, after the first couple of miles, I had completely shifted. I was, you know, into it, and I stopped thinking about anything other than just what I was doing right then. And um, I did have fun on the run course and, you know, took in the sites and talked to people at the aid stations. And there was somebody giving out glow in the dark necklace things. I even put one of those on, you know, I, I, I had fun. I was struggling a little bit by, I, I want to say mile three or four, you know, I have a back issue that tends to flare up when I run and uh, it showed up uh, a little sooner than I was hoping. Um, so my effort level didn't translate well into what my pace was doing. <laughs> it was a little slower than I was hoping, but I was moving and I was staying in the game. And then um, I really at that point had let go of any notion of what is my pace? What is my time? Cause I, I, I knew really it was about just how far was I going to go and how, what was going to happen. And, um, and then I'm not even sure. I think it was mile six or seven when I caught up with you when you were there um, and then you alerted me that hey if you don't speed up you're not going to make the mile 13 cut off um, and you know then I put a little extra effort into it and then I had some help because by that point you know it's like you know typically you can't have anybody pace you or help you on the course but by that point I wasn't going to be a finisher so it really didn't matter as much and so I had friends with me that kind of helped me get to the 13 mile point. Um, and so that helped a little bit, but I did manage to make the 13 mile cutoff. I don't know by what, 10 minutes or something like that. And then, um, and then after that, we had a conversation about, you know, you got to make mile 20 by such and such a time. And it's going to be a 12 minute mile pace. You're going to have to keep. And it's just like, there's no way that that can even happen in So then it just became a matter of when do I stop? because I'm clearly not going to make it even to mile 20. Um, and, you know, you'd brought up the option of, because the way the course was laid out, you could go out and do another four miles and get back to kind of where the transition area was. And, and so ended up, you know, like, well, let's do another four miles. And so we did, but by that time it was basically for enjoyment and just for, you know, the idea of not quitting so soon. And, and so it ended up being fun because, my crowd was with me and, you know, we, we had a good time and it was a good way to end the evening. I think, um, you know, all things considered. Uh, so I ended up at mile 17. I could have gone a little further, but, um, at that point it was kind of like, there's really no point if I, you know, they'll come sweep me off the course at any time now. And so just turned in my chip. So. If I may jump in here for a moment, I, I just I want to share a little bit of the experience from from my perspective. You got through the halfway mark, and at that point, it was interesting because the rest of the tribe was like, "Okay, so what are you going to tell her? What you know? How are you going to how are you going to break it to her?" And um, said, "I'm going to get her through the halfway, and then we're going to have a conversation." And at that point, I did say. Uh, in order to make it to the next marker, which was 20 miles, it would have been another seven miles. You would have had to do that 12 minute pace, like you just said. And um, I said, yeah, you have another option. You, this is completely up to you. This is your choice. You can be done now at 
you put in a really great long day, or there's the dog leg that we can do to add four more so you have a total of 17. It took you about 15 seconds only to answer that question. You immediately were like, we're going. I was like, yes. I was so proud of you in that moment. There, there was very little uh, thinking about it. You're like, no, you know, we're going to keep going. And it was really impressive. And I, I loved, too, the energy that you got into in that last four miles. Like you said, it was fun. Your, your tribe and you were laughing and telling jokes and talking about memories. And, I mean, it was darker than dark out there. There were places there weren't any lamps. And, you know, it was some of the ground was sort of hard to walk on. And, and you were smiling and laughing. And it was, it was really, again, going back to the word magical, it was a magical experience that last four miles. Yeah, it was fun. And it was a good way to end it, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, and there's something more satisfying about 17 miles and 13, you know, in the run. It's not 26.2, but 17 is a little more satisfying than 13. Absolutely. Um, you have the opportunity at the end to really think through how you wanted to bring this to a close. Yeah. And how you were going to handle the timing chip thing. Yeah. Tell the listeners what you chose to do and why. Well, we talked about it because honestly, I mean, off the top of my head, I wasn't even really thinking about how am I going to turn my chip in? Because at that point I was just thinking about, okay, I'm done. Like I could exhale, you know? Um, and, you know, we had a conversation about that and basically I guess you know, we found someone to intently, not just hand it over to anybody, but in being intentful about handing it in and making, you know, making the point that being grateful, I guess, for the experience and for the day and for everything that Ironman provided, even though I didn't finish, you know, that I still had a really incredible experience and to let, make sure that they knew that, you know, so, you know, we found a volunteer at the finish line um, and you actually, I think, took a picture and we, we set it all up and and I told them that, you know, I'm like, thanks for, you know, being here and for an incredible experience. And so. How do you think that completion alters your reflection of the, of the day? I don't think it alters it. I think it just highlights it. Mm. That was my reflection for the day. Um, I was just saying, staying it out loud to someone because I mean, really, I, it was a fun day. You know, there's something weird about saying, you know, being in physical pain and being out there for <laughs> and a half, I don't know how long I was out there, 15 and a half hours, whatever. Um, that was fun. Uh, through all of it, I enjoyed it. And really it was, it was, you know, just the idea of doing an Ironman was really the dream. I mean, the dream obviously is to finish, but what I didn't realize until I was in the moment that was just experiencing it was really what my goal was. Mm. Um, not to say that I'm not disappointed or that I'm satisfied because the ultimate goal really is to finish and, and, and do that. But, you know, for my first experience and everything, I was completely um, just filled with gratitude and joy for even having done it, you know, and that's even surprised me myself a little bit. I, I didn't know how I was going to react, but um, I was surprising myself <laughs> at how well I took it. 
Mm. That moment could have been really ugly and it could have been really heavy and overshadowed with the darkness of disappointment. And you were able to shift that and really make it a highlight of gratitude. I just want to, again, reflect how amazing that is. And, and I can guarantee that energetically it, uh, sets you up so well for whatever is coming next. Yeah. Well, it certainly feels a lot better. Yeah. Than anything that I've experienced in the past. Yeah. Um, in terms of not getting what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing the temper tantrums, you know, shaking the face and stomping the feet. And, you know, the other thing, too, is, you know, when it was all over, you know, there were all my peeps around, all the supporters, and and being able to be disappointed, but also be light and thankful and thanks for the support and accepting their encouragement and, and, and everything that went with it. Um, you know, in the past, I would have been very hostile towards that because I would have been so pissed off and so mad at myself and so for lack of a better word, embarrassed and feel like my value, you know, here I'm at Ironman, I'm not a finisher, so I'm somehow a piece of garbage, you know? And so people coming up and offering me words of encouragement would have hit really wrong. We've talked about in the past um, and I wouldn't have enjoyed any of it. And I would be looking back now feeling bad about the whole experience, not only about how bad it went, but how I acted towards people and everything else. It just would have been a very different feeling coming out so just the good feeling that I have is really yeah amazing so I have a feeling that the listeners are really excited to hear what's next what is next what is next I'm still working on that <laughs> uh, uh, a lot of things next but I think probably now is as good a time as any to say that what's what's really next for next proclaim year it, sister proclaim it I'm going back to Arizona and I'm going to do it. <laughs> right again. You heard it right here. Yeah. So, um, Ironman Arizona 2020. Wow. Here we go. Second. So yeah. for anybody out there who wanted to go this year, but couldn't because it was late notice and it was around Thanksgiving and wasn't free that day, you can mark your calendar right now. It's November 22nd, 2020. Yeah. And, and, and I believe the race is still open if anyone wants to actually sign up for it. And it's through. still open. Yes. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. So, yeah, I'm going to do it again. So Kim's back in. She's, she's going to be an Ironman finisher. She's going for it again. You know, hats off to you for continuing your journey. And I love that we can look at this as it's just the continuation of the journey. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've had a conversation in the past about the wisdom of signing up for an Ironman this year because it was such a stretch to think that I could physically do it. But when I signed up, my goal really was it's a bucket list item. I don't know that there's ever going to be a great time because I'm probably not ever going to be to a point where I could go into something like that and really, really compete in it. But I wanted to do it. And, but my body, I thought with my body and all my injuries and everything, I had one shot because really I didn't think that I would be able to do it more than once. And I honestly didn't know that I would even get to the starting line uh, with all my injuries. And so, but there was a shift somewhere along the way this year where I was doing so well with it and I was showing some improvement. My body wasn't hurting and I was enjoying it. Surprisingly, I mean, I didn't know I was going to enjoy it as much, as much as I 
complained about stuff um, that I started thinking about, you know what, I can do this again. And once that shift came from, this is a one shot deal to, you know what, I'll try again. Um, it kind of relieved a little of that pressure too. And whether or not it was a mistake to sign up when I did, you know, who knows? Hindsight's always twenty twenty. But what I will say is having experienced that weekend, I think sets me up better for going back and succeeding than anything else that I could have done. Whether it's do some shorter races and wait a year or two until I feel better prepared or, you know, whatever it be, I think going and having that experience was probably the exact thing that I needed to do. Yeah, it's really interesting how how things unfold um, and how being able to have that 2020 hindsight helps create clarity around it and understanding. And that was one of the things that uh, we purposefully did after the race by going up to Sedona. It's giving you that downtime to be able to not only recover and reset your body, but also to have that opportunity to reflect. And we had this conversation um, at some point during during those two days in Sedona, which was, you know, was it a good idea to do Ironman already, or should you have taken more time to uh, do a couple more, maybe 70.3s or some other kind of training? And I think in in reflection that you're absolutely right. It was it was a um, choice that served you really well. Yeah. I came out of the weekend with a lot of knowledge and experience that I didn't have before. And the element of unknown that was really smashing me in the face all year long, that's kind of calmed that down a little bit. And so going into it again with that backdrop, you know, will certainly change the experience, but I think is probably what I needed to really help me get to where I need to be. Like getting past that element of unknown because I think one of the things that I struggled with is overestimating what I could do in the grand scheme of an Ironman distance race. Like how does what I'm doing right now translate to mile 17 of a marathon in an Ironman? And I really didn't know, like I had no idea what There's I was, you can know. I didn't know what I was going to experience. I had no idea how that was going to translate. I was only just hopefully guessing because I was like, I really want to finish, you know? And, um, now having experienced it, I know a little more what I'm up against. Um, some wise person once told me that, that it would be hard. So now having that knowledge, I think really helps me in the training to understand uh, where I'm actually at and, and what I can expect. And I think that's a big piece of knowledge that will be helpful, honestly. Yeah. How would you say, in a, a long sentence or a short paragraph, how would you say the learnings you received from this experience can be translated into daily living? Oh, wow. I have to limit it to a long sentence? <laughs> or a short paragraph. Run on sentence for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> Already go. <laughs> um, you know, I think one is just you really are capable of more than you think you are. I mean, that really, it's a cliche, but it really is true. When I started that run um, on Sunday night, 
at mile two, I thought, how in the hell am I going to get to mile five? Like, um, and I got to mile 17 and felt much better than I did at mile three. And had I not been slow and out of time on the course cutoff, I had enough in me to finish the whole 26. And I wouldn't have, I, you know, didn't know if I had that in me before the race, certainly. And then at mile two, definitely was wondering, you know, um, so I think the biggest thing really is you can shift your mind into doing things that you, that you try to tell yourself can't do. Um, and that, that translates to anything. Um, and I think really the other thing too, is the whole staying in the moment part of it is huge. Um, I, I, for a long time wondered, how am I going to wrap my head around 17 hours? That day's going to feel so long. Like it just feels so long. And race day came and went and it felt like, a, it felt like a blink of an eye. So when you're doing something that you actually enjoy and you stay in the moment, then even things that seem like they're going to be hard and laborious aren't, if it's something you're passionate about. Um, and so I think those are really the two t key takeaways for me <laughs> is staying in the moment's important and doing something you're passionate about really helps you do that. And, um, and that you're capable of pretty much more than you think you can um, shifting the mentality. Congratulations to you and your journey. And I'm so excited to see where your journey takes you next. And I'm excited to be a part of it with you as well. And for all of you listeners out there, we certainly hope that you continue to follow Kim's journey and, um, Hopefully it's inspired you to start your own journey, whether that is getting in shape, getting into better shape, finding the love of your life, making money because it feels really good, not because material things are what makes life go around, but um, maybe you want to climb a 14er or sail around the world or simply go to a new store tomorrow. <laughs> whatever whatever stretches you i love 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 the idea of choosing an event or a something that scares you now and then you become the person who can do it yeah that is how we grow that it's real change and real transformation yeah there's anything that kim and or i can help you with in your process of doing that, please, please reach out to us so that we can support you on your journey. As we're wrapping up, Kim, do you have any final comments you'd like to make? And do you have a song for us today? Final comments. Uh, well, just thanks to everybody for like following along and tracking me on race day and sending all the encouraging comments and support and, um, it was, it really made what was a great weekend and a real fun experience even better. Um, it just kind of put it over the top. It was, it's hard to really even describe, you know, the good feeling that I ha came out of that weekend with. Um, so just thanks to everybody and, you know, go out and do something good, you know, <laughs> live your life. <laughs> so uh, as far as a song, one of my favorite songs of all time, I, I really love Jason Mraz. Um, and he's got a song called Living in the Moment. 
you know, in honor of, of living race day in the moment and really just taking in the weekend and living in the moment and enjoying it uh, for what it was and not panicking about what's not or, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll use Living in the Moment by Jason Mraz today. All right. So we're going to go out today with Jason Mraz, Living in the Moment.
Thank you listeners for being here with us today. We have a special surprise for you next week. Uh, we're not going to tell you too much more about it. You're just going to have to tune in to hear what the compilation, uh, hint, 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 is going to be for the next week's interview, which will be the last for the year. Thank you so much again for being here. It's time to sign off for now. Have a fantastic week. Remember to always imagine the possibilities in your own life and keep moving to live and living to move. Thanks for being with us today. We invite you to join us on our mission to move people forward and upward. Go to jillmsummers.com. That's jillmsommers.com for more information and to listen to other inspiring podcasts. And remember to do one thing today that moves your life forward, which impacts others around you to do the same.